Father, we come before you and we're just so grateful uh, for your love for us. Lord, we're grateful for the gifts and the passions that you give us, for the time and the talent, the treasure. Uh, Lord, we're grateful for the invitation that you give us to join you in the work that you're doing in and through your church. Father, we pray that we would use well the time that you've given to us, the experiences that we've had, the skills that you've allowed us to acquire. Father, not just that we might make a better living for ourselves, but that we might make your name great in San Marco, throughout the state of Florida, and across our nation and even around the world. Father, thank you for these volunteers, these men, women, uh, boys and girls who serve. Uh, Father, the difference that they make, the kindness that they show and demonstrate to our community. Lord, it makes a difference uh, because we know that you have loved us and you have showered your grace upon us. So we pray that as we turn around and do that for others, uh, that y- your, your name would be made known. And Lord, that you would bless the efforts of those who volunteer and serve in and through this church and other churches around our community and around the world. Lord, we love you. We pray that as we open your word now that you will be our teacher and our guide and that you will be honored and glorified through our time of worship and through our lives. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Just agree with a set of beliefs or theological truths. That, that here's sort of a list, and you check the list off, and because you agree with all these things, you can call yourself a Christian. Is it a set of particular religious rituals or practices uh, that are dictated by the, the denomination you go to? What does it mean? One of the phrases that we as Christians use a lot, and rightly so, is the phrase, following Jesus. That, that might be the most basic definition of a Christian, somebody who follows Jesus. But if you think about that for just a minute, it, it's, a, it's kind of an odd thing to say. Because if that's really what it's about, if being a Christian is really about following Jesus, how are we supposed to do that 2,000 years after Jesus has left the planet? I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried to follow behind somebody. Maybe you were on a trip and you didn't know where you were going, but the person in a car in front of you was leading the way and maybe they made a green light and you didn't get the green light and suddenly you can't see them anymore. You don't know where their car is. And so you don't know where you're going. I I know there's a whole new generation with GPS that never happens to you. But back in the old days, it happened a lot and and you didn't know where you're going. Maybe for some of us, following Jesus feels a little bit like that. How do you do it? I can't see him with my earthly eyes, so how am I supposed to follow after him? So so I want to talk about this for the next four weeks, and I want to explore it, and I want to share with you up front some of the goals that I have for this series. I sort of set some goals for every series that we take on, and I just want to share with you the goals I have. First of all, if you are not a Christian, let me share with you my goal for you during this series and why I hope you'll come back for the next few weeks as we, as we talk about this. Because I want you to see and hear the difference between how the Bible describes true followers of Jesus and the stereotypes that may have turned you off from following Jesus. Because there are stereotypes in our culture. There are stereotypes through the media. There are stereotypes that maybe have been reinforced even as you have interacted with people who call themselves Christians and maybe you have said, I don't want anything to do with that. Maybe like Gandhi, you say, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Some of you, that describes you. And so I want you to keep coming because I want you to hear what the Bible says it means to be a Christian, what, what, it, really likes, what it really looks like. Um, you know, I want you to leave this and understand that, that you shouldn't judge the body of Christ by Christians who may be in the church, 
but instead by the disciples who are the church. You see, anybody can come into the church and anybody can call themselves a Christian. But what I'm challenging you to do is instead to judge the church and judge the Christian faith and the Savior that we worship by the true disciples who in fact are the church. And if you are here and you are a Christian, my goal for you for the next few weeks is, is going to be challenging. Because I want to challenge you to understand that Christianity is not a spectator sport. That following Jesus means serving others. Following Jesus means that you're making a commitment to him and his mission in the world through the local church. That the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is God's plan to accomplish his mission in the world. And so as believers, as Christians, we need to understand that being a Christian, following Jesus, means that we make a radical commitment of our lives, our time, our talent, our treasures to him and accomplishing his mission through the local church. And, And as a body, I want us also to consider this. Who do we see among us who we clearly understand and know they are following Jesus. Like there's no doubt in your mind. I, I, I don't know maybe a whole lot about their private life. I don't, I, maybe you do know a lot about their private life. But from what you see, you recognize in people, that is somebody who is following Jesus. And when I have lost sight of Jesus, in other words, maybe it feels like Jesus has gone through the light and you were stopped and you don't know where Jesus is, but you can identify these people who you know are following Jesus, and if you follow in their steps, you can be pretty confident that you're following in the steps of Jesus. And so today, as we sort of kick this series off, I think a great place to start is to look at the very beginning of the Christian movement to see how Jesus' very first followers responded to his invitation. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to look at a couple verses from there. But when Jesus called the men who would become his disciples, that group of 12 that we refer to, uh, maybe from your church tradition, you've heard them called the apostles. But when Jesus issued his invitation to them, he issued a very specific invitation. And his invitation was not to a set of theological beliefs. He didn't invite them to to sort of believe certain theological ideas. It wasn't to a specific set of of moral codes or to a particular philosophical understanding or a particular style of worship or kind of church or particular religious practices. It was something entirely different than that. It was something incredibly simple. Incredibly simple, but very challenging. So challenging, in fact, that people have spent their entire lives trying to respond to it. But so simple that even a child can understand the invitation. So Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18, Jesus' ministry is just sort of beginning. And he is beginning to sort of gather his posse of disciples and apostles who are going to be with him. And this is what he said. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. Immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. Jesus' invitation, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said it this way, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross daily and say it with me, follow me. So here's the big idea 
for today and the big idea for this entire series. And, and if you don't come back, I, this, this idea is the one I want you to take with you and I want you to consider. Whether you, you call yourself a Christian or, or whether you're not a Christ follower at all. Following Jesus isn't a set of boxes to check, but a set of footprints to follow. Following Jesus is not a set of boxes to check. It's not a set of theological ideas or concepts or a philosophy or a set of religious practices. And when you check off all these religious practices, I did communion, I was baptized, I attended church so many times, I'm a part of Sunday school. It's not a set of boxes to check, but instead, consistently throughout the Gospels, we see over and over again that it is a set of footprints that we are to follow behind. See, the disciples follow Jesus. These 12 individuals follow Jesus for three years. 11 of the 12 followed him all the way to the cross. And they didn't always believe the right things. There were many times that it's exposed in, in the Gospels, and Jesus sort of exposes that they had beliefs that were, that were wrong. They, they had ideas and concepts that were, that were misguided. Jesus often corrected their thoughts. They didn't follow Jesus because they believed the right things. They often said the wrong things, but they followed Jesus all the way to the crucifixion. And here's an interesting fact that you should know. Uh, Again, as we're talking about just the basics of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to follow Jesus. So while we often think of these initial followers of Jesus as the very first Christians, they are never called that in the Bible. Never. Jesus never called his followers Christians. In the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, The word Christian, the title Christian, the name Christian, is never even used. The Apostle Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, never used the word Christian. In fact, the word Christian only appears in the Bible three times. Three times. And I want us to take just a few minutes and look at the three times the word Christian is used. Because here's here's why this is so important. Because we use it all the time, don't we? I mean, we use it all the time. Culture uses it all the time. It's what we call ourselves. It's what we call other people. But it's interesting when you look at the Bible that the Bible itself doesn't use that term regularly at all. And so we should look and evaluate, well, how does the Bible describe followers of Jesus? And what does it describe when it's talking about a Christian? So let's look at these verses pretty quickly. The first one is in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Acts eleven 26, we'll put it on the screen. It says this, that the disciples were called... Christians first in Antioch. It's the first time we see that word in the Bible. The disciples did not call themselves that. In fact, it was the people of the city of Antioch who called themselves, who called these followers of Jesus Christians. And it was used in a derogatory term. Persecution had already started breaking out against the church, and the, the citizens in Antioch, the pagans that lived in Antioch, the Romans, maybe some of the Jews, they began to call, call the followers of Jesus Christians, meaning that they were like little martyrs. They, they, they went around and gave up stuff to help the poor, and they were willing to suffer and stay in communities to care for the sick. And so the, the, the people in the community start, started calling them basically little Christians in a derogatory way. But it was not something that the disciples, that the first followers of Jesus called themselves. Let me show you a second place where it's used, Acts chapter 26, verse 28. The apostle Paul is being tried, and he is before King Agrippa. And he actually begins to share the gospel with King Agrippa and listen to what King Agrippa says to him. Do you think you can convince me to become a Christian? So he's kind of saying it in a way that's, that's derogatory to Paul. 
You want me to become one of these little Christs as well? So both of the first times it's used in the Bible, it is not even used by people who themselves were followers of Christ. It's used by people from the outside who are calling Christians that in a derogatory way. The next time we see it is in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. And this is Peter himself using it. And it's the only place we see somebody who is a follower of Christ use the term Christian. And listen to how he does it. Do you think, I'm sorry, however, if you suffer as a Christian, who's he talking to? He's talking to the early church who are beginning to suffer persecution at the hands of outsiders who are calling them Christians. Okay, you with me so far? So he's saying, if you are suffering, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. In other words, Peter takes it and he flips it. He says, all these people in these cultures are calling you Christian as a way to, uh, as a way to insult you. Don't be ashamed when they call you that. Wear the name with pride, that you are a Christian. You are like Christ. Now, here's, here's where the, what the Bible does call the followers of Christ. The Bible refers to Jesus' followers as Christians only three times, but it refers to, it refers to Jesus' followers as disciples 261 times. So 261 times in the Bible, the followers of Jesus are called disciples. Three times, they're called Christians. And of those three times, two times are by people who themselves were not Christians. So we need to understand this. We need to get our minds and our our hearts wrapped around this because what is the big deal, you think? Well, what does it matter? Why does it matter that, that the Bible only uses Christian three times and it uses disciple 261 times? Because I would say there's a really important difference and an important lesson for us to learn. See, while Christian is never defined in the Bible, nowhere in the scripture is the word Christian ever defined, disciple is very clearly defined. Disciple refers to an apprentice. A disciple refers to somebody who is following after a master, who is doing the things that they see their master doing the way they see their master doing them. That's what it means to be an apprentice, what it means to be a disciple. It involves some action on the part of the one who is learning. It's not just studying the book. If you were going to go into trade school to be a carpenter or a plumber or an electrician and you were going to apprentice, it would be more than just studying the manual. You would, in fact, at some point have to follow somebody in the craft or in the trade who knew what they were doing, watch what they did, and try to do it the way they did it. That's what it means to be a disciple, and it's why the Bible uses that term so often. See, it's easy for us to hide behind the word Christian. You can hide behind it. You can say, I'm a Christian because my parents were Christians, and I was raised in a Christian home, and I go to a Christian church, and I have a certain set of Christian beliefs. It's easy to hide behind the word Christian, but disciple exposes us to an expectation that we would actually be like Jesus. It exposes us to the expectation that we would actually do the things that Jesus did. That we would use the kind of words and we would speak with people the way that Jesus spoke with people. That we would go to places where Jesus would go. See, being a Christian is as easy as accepting some theological ideas or going to a particular church or signing off on a particular statement of faith. And all those things are good. I'm not saying those things are bad. Those things are important and they're necessary. But none of those things by themselves are enough. Followers of Jesus, being a disciple, means that we commit to walk in the footprints of Jesus. 
We do what he does. We go where he goes. We say what he would say. And so this is what the disciples were invited to. And and years later, after Jesus had been ascended into heaven, and as the first band of disciples, the first band of Jesus followers began to spread out, they began to talk to a new generation of people who did not have the benefit of seeing with their earthly eyes Jesus the way that they themselves had seen Jesus. But I want you to listen to the invitation that Peter issued to those, that next generation of followers. Listen to what he said, 1 Peter 2, 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Do you hear that? Where did Peter get that idea? He got it from Jesus. He got it from way back in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus first met him and Jesus issued the invitation, Hey, Pete, Andy, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And decades later, as Peter is now an old man, there's a new generation of people who who may not know what it means to follow Jesus. The invitation remained the same. He was issuing the invitation. He said, hey, this is what Jesus did. This is how Jesus walked. This is how Jesus served. Follow in his steps. And this, this group of disciples, that first group of disciples, not only followed Jesus by the way they lived, But they followed him in their willingness to give their lives as they followed him even to crucifixion and death themselves. So so as we we sort of kick this series off, I just want to give you a few questions to think about this week. On the back of your bulletin where we list the sermon out, there are a few questions that are listed there. And, And I want you to take some time this week, maybe in your prayer time, if you have a quiet moment, maybe before you go into work or at the end of the day, just to think about these questions For the next week, because they're really, really important. They're important if you are a Christian, because at some point you have to ask yourself, what does it mean when I say I'm a Christian? What does that really mean? And they're important for you if you're not a Christian, because I want to make sure that if you've decided not to be a Christian, you're making that decision for the for the right reason and not for the wrong reason. So, so so these are important questions, and I would just challenge you to ask yourself these questions through the week. First of all, this: Are you content if you're a Christian? Are you content to be a Christian? Or are you willing to answer Jesus' call to follow him and become his disciple? Because to follow Jesus, it's not enough to be a Christian. You can be a Christian and never walk in Jesus' footsteps. That's not enough. Are you willing to take, the, to take Jesus at his invitation and to follow in his footsteps? Or are you content just to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. What does that even mean anymore? See, anybody can claim to be a Christian, but not everyone can claim to be a follower of Jesus. And I just have to ask myself when I think about this and what we do as a church and and my circle of friends who who we're all trying to follow Jesus together, I just ask myself this question, what would happen if we all stopped trying to be good Christians and instead we focused on just following in the steps of Jesus each and every moment of each and every day? As we, as we approached our challenge that you're going to have in the office this week, or your challenge as you're parenting your kids, or your challenge in your marriage, or in a significant relationship in your life, or, or your challenge when you face your, your financial difficulties, what if you just asked yourself this question, what, what, what does it look like to follow Jesus in this difficulty? 
What does it look like to follow Jesus in this relationship mess that I'm in, in this financial mess that I've been handed? What does it mean to follow Jesus in the workplace where there aren't a lot of people who appear to be following Jesus? What would it look like for me to be the one to follow Jesus? And here's another thing I'd like you to take some time to do, is to make a list of people you know personally who you would say are following in the footsteps of Jesus. Now, you don't have to be a Christian to do this. I would say you don't even have to have read the Bible much or, or know much about Jesus, we recognize when somebody is following in the steps of Jesus. It's easy to identify. So have you just sat down and maybe in a journal or on a piece of paper somewhere, just make a list. Who do you know? I'm not asking you to identify the Christians you know. I'm asking you to identify the people that you know who you would say they are following Jesus. And if I have ever lost sight of Jesus, I could follow this person and I would be pretty confident that I'm following in the steps of Jesus because I know they're following Jesus. Would you just make that list and then ask yourself this question. Why, why did I choose those individuals? Why? What is it about them? What is it about that man? What is it about that woman that identified them to me as someone who follows in the footsteps of Jesus? See, the true church is not made up of Christians. It's made up of disciples. The true church is made up of people who are following in the steps of Jesus. And so as Jesus extended this invitation to those disciples, and as those disciples in the early church extended the invitation to another generation, and down through the years the invitation has been extended, so today the invitation is being extended to every one of us. Will you follow in the steps of Jesus Christ? Will you hear his invitation to say, come, follow me? I'm not asking you to be a religious person. I'm not asking you to believe a certain... I'm just saying, would you follow Jesus? And along the way, Jesus is going to deal with the things you believe. Jesus is going to deal with morality. Jesus is going to deal with all that. But for today, the invitation is simple. Will you follow Jesus? What scares you most about answering the call to follow him? What is it that worries you? Are you worried about what he will ask of you, what he might expect of you? The disciples had all those same concerns, and they followed Jesus. And not only did it change their life, not only did it change their family, it changed the world. What could God do through a group of people just this size who would commit themselves to follow after Jesus? I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and pray with me as we prepare to sing a song of commitment and uh, invitation. Maybe for some of you who are here today, uh, the invitation is one to answer the call for the very first time, to say, I, I want to follow Jesus. And maybe like, like Andrew and, and Peter, you would get up immediately and you would say, I want to follow Christ. For others of you, you would say, you've heard this invitation more times than you can count. And, and while you seek to live a Christian life, you haven't necessarily been seeking to live the life of a disciple, the life of one who is committed to following in the steps of Jesus in the messiness of your day-to-day living. Maybe today you would just come, maybe you would pray at these steps, maybe you'd ask somebody else to pray for you as you seek to live out the Christ life. Father, we come today with a variety of issues and needs and we come from a variety of backgrounds and expectations and, and yet, Lord, we all hear the same invitation to follow you. And for some, that means just one small step. For others, it might be a huge commitment to change the trajectory and the 
the course of their life. But Lord, the invitation is the same and it has been the same for more than 2,000 years. Come, follow me. Help us to know what that means. Help us to explore that, to see that through the eyes of those first men and women who responded to the call and to know what that means for us today. Thank you, Lord, for the godly examples that you have given us in our lives. For some, it's a football coach. For others, it was a a teacher in school. For others, it was a mom or a dad or an aunt or an uncle, a Sunday school teacher. But people who were so committed to following the steps of Jesus that they made it clear for us what it means to be a Christ follower. Lord, I pray that as a church, Southside would be known, not as a bunch of Christians, but we would be known as as a group of disciples who are committed to a relentless pursuit of Jesus Christ, that we are committed to following in his steps into all the difficult places that might lead us. Lord, would you help us to be that kind of church? And Father, we pray this morning that as we hear that call again, that we ourselves would be willing to issue that invitation to others to come and follow Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen.